experience from the trip and uh, a little bit about what God did in their life, and then we're going to jump in the Word. Praise the Lord. Give them a hand. Woo! Missionary, ladies first. Sure. Hallelujah. Good morning. Um, oh, it's so hard to choose just one moment or one thing that God did in Haiti. Okay, choose two. Okay, I will. Um, first, I was, I signed up and I joked with them, like, I signed up like, yeah, right, I'm not going to go. <laughs> like, I'll just put my name on it. It sounds cool. And then I was like, God, if you want me to go, like, please open the doors because with work and everything, I just don't think it's going to happen. And God right away opened the doors and I was like, okay, funding is going to be a little difficult. Okay. And I got funded, fully funded, an anonymous donor. Um, funded me to go. And I was at work and I got the email and I just started bawling. I'm like, okay, I'm going. Like you said you would do it. So here we go. And I wish that I could thank that donor the way that they should be thanked because not only did it cause something great to happen in me, but it, it it's helping Haiti. And it it's amazing. Like Pastor said, you go and you see these people who have been through this great devastation. They're living in blue tarp houses after six years after a de devastation. And you just, you think that their whole lives would be just distraught. And you go and you greet them and they just open up and they smile and they laugh and they play and they sing. And it was really cool. We went to um, this, I don't know if it's like an orphanage, Madame Chub Chub mm -hmm. is her name. And she's an older woman who, she has a bunch of kids that live. Just her little compound. Yeah. yeah, it's like a little compound. And there's a couple of houses on it. And that for me was really cool because I kept asking everyone because worship is like my, it's my niche, you know. And so um, I would ask everyone, do you sing? And they would all be like, oh, no, no. And she was like, yes, we sing. And she was so excited. So one of the girls that lived there sang with us. And then she sang for us. And it was just cool because you see them. And I wrote it in like our little journal. We went to the church and they do it in Haitian Creole. And so we don't understand anything that they're saying. And they're doing worship in Creole. But on the screen, on the top half, because it's at Mission of Hope where we were staying, it's Creole. And then the bottom half is English. Even though you probably know the songs, it's, they do popular worship songs. That's why you just sing in tongues. Yeah, and it was incredible. And in that moment, like, God spoke to me and is like, I'm not, it seems so simple. Like, you forget, you lose touch. Like, God's not subject to one language. And he's not subject to one country. And it's incredible to go there and open up and be like, they're worshiping God the same way I worship God. They're encountering him the same way that I encounter him. And it's just, like, freeing almost. I don't know how to describe it, but you just feel like, God is so much bigger. Like the Bible says we won't be able to comprehend who he is or what he can do. But in that moment, like you just feel that. And you're like, they're, they're crying the same prayers that I'm crying. God, help my mom, mm -hmm. help my brother. Whatever it is, they're crying those same cries. Mm -hmm. And God's reaching them too. And that was incredible to me. I would say that probably struck me the most on the trip. Amen. Awesome. You were awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Luca. Well, we had a, all had a fantastic time in Haiti, and the hardest part about it is, is everywhere you go, as far as you can see, there's still devastation from the 2010 earthquake. And like Becca was saying, they live in these, you know, blue tarp houses that are barely standing, and there's 10, 20 people living in a single house, and you want to do so much to help them. Like, but you can't really do a whole lot because you're not there for that long. Mm -hmm. And short-term missions is more effective in the hearts of the people going from America than the people you're reaching because you really can't do a whole lot in a week. But that's the hardest part is we get to go home. Mm -hmm. And then we're here. We're in an air-conditioning church building. You know, we get to go home and we get to have lunch whenever we want. And then they need to walk five miles to get water. They, they're struggling. They don't know what they're going to eat next. And the kids, what they'll do is they'll come up to you and they'll ask, the first thing they'll ask you is they want money or they want something from you. And first you're going to come off insulted, like, at least get to know me first before I give you all my stuff. But really it's about survival for them because they, they need something to survive. 
because they have no other source of income. They're, they're on the street selling things, trying, you know, they're trying to make a dollar selling a, a bundle of bananas, all these different things. But they're, they're happy. Mm -hmm. They're happy with what they have, but they're like in survival mode. And for me, that, that was the most challenging part for me is wanting to help more than we actually could. But it, you see so much passion out of these people to just know God. When you talk to them, you're, they're, they're just, God can do that, really? And they're so passionate about wanting to get to know God more and more and more because their faith is, for me, it's they have to rely on their faith because they need to rely on God to get their next meal, to have their housing, all these different things here. Our housing is going to come one way or another. Our food's going to come one way or another. So their faith is really, in some ways, stronger than ours because they need to rely on God for so much more than we have to when it comes to everyday life. And that's, that's the biggest thing I got out of the trip is just the people there are so passionate about what they believe in. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Luke. Hallelujah. Amen. So cool. And uh, the difference is, and, and I like one thing they say at uh, Mission of Hope, and uh, probably the coolest thing to see there, one of the cool things to see, is uh, just how much of an impact the church is having in reshaping that nation. And literally, it is outside support that's coming into that nation that's helping rebuild it but entire communities and uh, every, the, the, the goal of Mission of Hope, who we were partnered with through Convoy, was to reach every man, woman, and child in Haiti. And that's our goal. And one way they do it is we go out in what they call strategic village time. And now they have the little mobile GPS. And as we go through the village and go to each home, every time you go to a home and you ask people about their demographics, you get to know them about their family and their children and the makeup of their home and their life and about their health and about their needs and stuff, that you can actually mark that house and, 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 and that little dwelling there in that village so we know, okay, we've talked to them, we have information on them and they're cataloging on that and they're going by village by village and, and they're started in Tintayan there. Tintayan means this. It means in, in Haiti and in Creole it means it is nothing. And so people who come from there are told you're nothing. You come from a place that is nothing. And uh, it's outside of Port-au-Prince and uh, Ashmed, one of our uh, interpreters said this is the place they would bring people from Port-au-Prince, they would bring people out here to murder them and leave them here. They would take them into the place of nothing and murder them. Well, God set mission of hope in the place that is called it is nothing. And from there, this mission work is going out. And today they feed 90,000 children a day. 90,000 children. The Convoy of Hope feeds 67,000. On their property, they have a 30,000 square foot warehouse. Tom's Shoes donates shoes to them. They're giving shoes. They have a clinic on there, a medical clinic. They just got the, the uh, 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 medical uh, uh, equipment in to begin to do ultrasounds on, on, on expecting mom. They, they, they do prosthetic limbs. They're making prosthetic limbs for, for, for the people there who have lost limbs through the, through the earthquake and stuff. So in this place called It Is Nothing, God has raised up the, this connection. And the way it's happened is that this one couple went there and God moved upon their heart and they saw this little child and the Lord said, that's your son. And then a few years later, then they adopted this little boy, Haitian boy. And then a couple years later, somebody abandoned a little girl on their steps and the Lord said, that is your daughter. And then just one person, and you heard me say yes. When we say yes to God, it's amazing what happens. And when you say yes to go on a trip, like Luke said, you feel like you're not making a difference. But you're adding a drop to the bucket. How many have ever had a leaky faucet? And you just put it on there and it just drips, just one drop at a time. And then you come back in an hour and you have the accumulation of a multitude of drops. Every drop felt insignificant, but every drop added value. 
and it, and it added increase. And so when you go on missions like this, that's what happened. You're just a drop. And then the challenge is, is that they give to us is that when you come home and they introduce us and, and, and we have, when we go to the village, we have a village champion that goes with us. And Ashmed was a village champion there. And uh, so he leads around. He's one of our interpreters and stuff. And, and so they're living to make an impact in their community. They're giving their lives to that and donating uh, their time and they're committed almost like village pastors. Kind of, They don't pastor a church, but they're pastoring and shepherding and loving and caring for the people in that region, in that village area. And uh, so their challenge is, hey, this is our mission field. Your mission field is when you go home. Because their mission field is where they live. Our mission field is where we live. And so we're here. We're missionaries right here. And so the challenge is this is go home and be a village champion. And, and the way to be a champion is just to have a bigger yes for God in your heart. Amen? When things rise up. And, and so it, it, it's so cool to see all that happening there. But see the amazing things that are happening. How many kids are in school that are there. The amount of school kids. They have an orphanage there on site. They have 60 children living in that orphanage. They have a transition house. It is amazing what God has done and the things that are happening there. But it's happening in a place that call, that's called it is nothing. And God's turned around. And then when you go to the villages, it's amazing when you ask people, uh, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Do you go to church? It is amazing. The majority of the people that we met there are connected to one of the local churches there. Many of them go to Mission of Hope in the campus there, but there are other little churches there and, and that it, throughout the communities and people there. And uh, it's just an awesome thing. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up, and that leads us into this and, uh, and work with it. But open up to uh, Romans chapter 5. I'm going to take these next few moments this morning and uh, talk to you about being anchored to the cross and the power of grace. But if we've been dealing with this, and I want you to, we're going to read Romans chapter 5 together, and then we're going to do a little walk back through this. Father, I thank you this morning through this time. Father, for your grace and your mercy to us. Father, I thank you for your kindness that you show us. Lord, I thank you that we can have so much confidence and so much assurance in the promise and the truth of your word. Lord, we stand today with open hearts and open ears and lives ready to receive the truth that you would impart through your word by your Holy Spirit to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. One thing that Becca said about the church there and that is in how they worship. But if you go there, one thing you notice with in Haiti is passion. And people are passionate about life. They're passionate about their worship. The pastor, I loved it. He ran around. He spit. He was awesome. So my kind of guy. Before I jump in, I meant to do this. I forgot. But if you missed Father's Day yesterday, I mean, I mean last Sunday, if you're a father and you're here today and you did not get a gift, get on up here right now. I have gifts for our fathers. Anybody didn't miss first service last week? Come on. Come on. Come on, dads. And only because as we're turning to Romans, we're going to be talking about being justified by faith. But this right here is called walk by faith. We're walking by faith. And that's what we're going to be talking about. God bless you, Bill. God bless you, Tony. Amen. Thank you, Come on. There you go, Steve. Amen. Boots on the ground, buddy. Amen. Bless you, sir. Bless you. Good to meet you, Jeff. Bless you. Thank you, brother. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for fathers. Lord, I thank you that you grace us. Lord, we are not equipped in ourselves to be fathers. But you impart to us the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that we need. And if we will draw on your grace, you will teach us how to be the fathers and the husbands that we need to be. So, Lord, I pray over these fathers today. I pray your blessing over them. I pray your grace over them, your strength and your mercy, your wisdom, your insight, your clarity and understanding, and your strength in every need and every day of their life. That they could be the fathers and the husbands that their children and their wives need them to be. I pray your blessing over them. Lord and Holy Spirit, help them truly to walk by faith, trusting you through every circumstance and situation. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? 
Amen. Bless you. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore. Everybody say therefore. So anytime you see therefore, there's a Bible uh, uh, study principle that says anytime Paul says therefore, then read backwards, take the time sometime and read backwards and find out what it's there for. Because what's about to follow is based upon everything that has just preceded it. So what he, everything Paul has said through the first four chapters has brought us to this point. So what he's declared through Romans 1, 2, 3, and 4 brings us to the point that Paul can make this declaration. What I've said now allows me to make this declaration. So he's led up to the point. So the conclusion is, therefore, having been justified by faith, Romans 4 is all about having the same faith as Abraham. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know that verse right there is enough just to camp on and live on? on the rest of your life. Amen? Look at verse 2. Through whom we also have access by faith, now watch these next words, into His grace. So God has granted you and I access into His grace. We are saved by grace through faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in this grace, in that saving grace, there is an access into it, and that's what we're going to tap into this morning. Into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Everybody just shout, glory to God. Come on, glory to God. I'm going through a trial. Hallelujah. I'm going through a test. I'm I'm in a circumstance. Amen. So he said, we glory in that. Why? Because when you understand grace, you'll glory in it. Why? Knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance or endurance. And perseverance produces character and character produces what? Hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength. Everybody say without strength. So God's showing up when you didn't have strength and He's bringing strength. Amen? So when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let me ask you this, what did you bring to the table? Just your sin. Amen. Didn't bring any goodness. Didn't bring anything out. But while we were sinning. Now look at verse 9. Much more. How many like the much mores of the Bible? There's a couple words in there that's always good to study. Do a study on the much mores and the but nows. Amen. That's a good study. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Amen. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more, there it is again, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by what? His life. life. And not only that, but we also rejoice through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received what? The reconciliation. We're reconciled to God. Therefore, just as though through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to how many? All men. Because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who would not sin according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Meaning that Adam had a direct command from God, don't eat this. And Adam transgressed against that. But Moses in here, that men sin even though not in a direct transgression, man still sin who is a type of him who was to come. Verse 15, but the free gift, everybody say the free gift, is not like the offense, for by it one man's offense, for if by one man's offense many died, here it is again, what? Much more the grace of God and the gift and, and the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from, the off, came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in what? Justification. Watch this. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, here it is again, what? 
much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, there's therefore again, everything he says, as through one man's offense, judgment came to how many? All men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to who? All men. Wow. Resulting in the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded what? Much more. How many know much more is a popular term with Paul? Amen. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at the cover of your outline. Look at verse 1. I put it there in the Amplified Bible. Look at what it says. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and giving a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact. Everybody say grasp the fact. Let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So look at what we're declaring. It is important that we anchor our lives to the power of the cross. The fact is, is that faith must have an object upon which to anchor its trust and to secure its hope. If you're going to have faith, if you're going to live by faith, every person in the world is living by faith. These little uh, uh, cups we're giving have walked by faith. Everybody is walking by faith. The question is, what is your faith anchored in? Everybody's living by faith. Every act you do is by faith. How many have the the ability to test the toxicity of your food? Anybody have that at home? You like you can pull out be, before you cook your meat. You can test to see whether there's any uh, uh, disease in it. Do you test your? Do you, do you have the ability to test your chicken legs this afternoon for Ebola before you barbecue them? To test your meat to see if it has anything in it to, to, to have anything. I mean, do you test anything? No, we, we don't have the ability. So what do we do? We buy it and we eat it by faith. faith because somebody sold it to us and packaged it and said it was good for consumption, that it was safe to eat, and you take their word by on every level, in everything you do in life, you do by faith. And you're either anchored in the faith of what man offers and what the world offers, or you're anchored in the faith of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of grace in your life. Amen? So it is important that we have an anchor point. The Word of God and the work of grace in Christ are the anchor points for our faith, neither of which can ever fail. So Paul can declare with the boldest of confidence, we are justified by faith. Amen? So faith in God brings that justification. It's funny, we went on the trip and I bought some of those Kashi, Kashi bars, Kashi bars, whatever they are, little nuts and grain things from Costco. And so uh, on the flight back, we got delayed in uh, Orlando and we're on the plane for like four hours on, on Saturday afternoon. We're on the tarmac there. So we didn't eat all the snacks that I took. So I bring down my carry-on and peep around there and I said, hey, I have food. I'm about to become a vendor. Is anybody hungry? But anyway, I just started giving away all these snack bars and stuff and so I'm tossing them out to everybody and then when we get home I find out that Costco has a recall on them <laughs> and so there's something wrong with them and I go man I so hope everybody on the plane is okay I bet. I hope it wasn't in this box. But, 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 but by faith I bought the box by faith I was eating the stuff and, and, and you know what Nobody got to you. I, I had diarrhea for a few days coming home. But it, uh, other than that, I'm fine now. Glory to God. And, and I don't know whether it was from the Kashi bars. I don't know whether it's from this. Because I, I didn't have it. And Haiti was great. But Sunday morning in Miami, something hit me. Amen. And that was after Saturday afternoon on the plane. So uh, 
Hallelujah. Amen. But thank God our faith is in something greater. Amen. Look inside your outline. Watch it. So in order for God to be a righteous and a just judge of sin, think about this, stay with me. In order for God to be a righteous and just judge of sin and humanity, there must be humanity, there must be equity in His dealings with all men. God has to be equally equitable to everyone, not just to a chosen few. Are you with me? I believe in election, and I believe in selection, but I believe that we are elected to choose Him. All right, stay with me. In order for God to be righteous and just, and a just judge of sin and humanity, there must be equity in His dealings with all men without partiality. To impose the sin of one man, Adam, upon all men, and then to only impute the righteousness of the one man, Christ Jesus, to a select and elect few would not be equitable, righteous, or just. And so that's why Paul declares it so clearly in Romans chapter 5, that the sin of one man, was passed on to all men, and then the righteousness of the, of the second man of Adam was given to all men. That's why I made you say it. To all men equally the same. Think about it. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Through whom we have access by faith into this grace. And so there is an access given to us into this faith. And through that access, we find our purpose in Christ. So everybody is ordained by God to have purpose. You live by purpose. We're called to have purpose. People try to discover purpose. People go on all kinds of different trails and exploration in life. Try, what am I here for? What, what, what is my meaning? What am I supposed to do with my life? We search for purpose, but your purpose is in the grace that you have been given access to. We have been looking uh, uh, at grace this amazing truth and the work of grace, it is important to realize and to understand that so many fall short of taking full advantage of their access into grace. How many have ever been to a theme park? Disneyland or something like that. Well, some of them you can get, you can get different places, but, but, but some of them you can get a, what's called an all-access pass. And if you have that path, you know what, you, you can go just on any ride you want because you have an all-access path. Other ones, you, you know, you, you buy the limited edition, you buy, you know, you just buy a few rides or you do this. And it would be sad if you were going through there and you saw somebody with an all-access pass just riding one ride. And you ask them what they're doing. Well, this, they, they, I'm just riding this ride. I didn't know. And you say, well, don't you know you have an all-access pass? Is that what that means? Yeah, it means you can ride all of them. And then they go, well, I find that hard to believe. And then they just stay on that one ride. Or, or doing any, access to any place, access to anything, access to any place you could think about going, access to all the benefits, access to everything that's been provided there, and yet just staying in one point. And many times that's what happens to us in living when Paul said we're justified, and through that justification we have access into this grace. So grace is more, and we hear it preached on such a, on such a low level that grace, well, we're saved by grace, and people just stop there. But wait a minute, Paul declared there's an access into this grace. And it's something that we enter into and are able to be a partaker of. Watch it. It's in your, in your outline there. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly. Everybody say come boldly. Now watch it. To the throne of what? So look at what it says. Let us come boldly to where? The throne of grace. So Paul is actually issuing an invitation to come to the throne of grace. So the great, you have access to the throne, but how do you get there? You have to come to the throne. Are you with me? So every believer has access to that throne. Watch it. Now why? That we may what? Look what it said. That we may what? Obtain what? Mercy and find what? 
Grace to help when? In your time of need. So in your access, you have the ability, you're justified in God, and now we have this entrance into this grace that gives you the opportunity to come before the throne, and when you have a need, when you need help, when you need support, when you need strength, when you need provision, when you need wisdom, whatever it is, your access includes everything that is in the grace of God. My goodness. And so, but you have to come. You have to approach. Listen to the way the Amplified says it. Let us therefore fearlessly and confidently and boldly do what? Draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners. That's how He came to us while we were sinners. He died for That we may receive what? Mercy. So look, at we draw near so that we can receive. People are going, well, you know what? I just feel alone. I don't have any strength. I'm just wore out. Well, why haven't you used your access? How come you're not you? You have access to a throne. And so if you're outside of grace, if you're outside of the provision, the question is, why don't you use your past? So are you drawing near that you may receive mercy, what? For failures, and look at this, and find grace to help. So it's there, it's there to be found, but we must Pursue it. In good time, look at this. For every need. Everybody say every. I like the absolutes of the Word of God. The only way God's Word gets limited is by man. God doesn't put limits on His Word. Sean, keep your finger there in Romans 5, but turn with me to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. I read this the other day and, and reminded me, but I have a little book. There's a little devotional book written a long time ago called Streams in the Desert. And uh, there was a devotional in there that was for uh, the, the 24th of uh, June and it was by F.B. Myers and, and was about this verse here, Romans chapter, I mean Isaiah chapter 45 um, and verse 11. Thus says the Lord. What is this? This is the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. The Holy One of Israel and His Maker. The One who made Israel. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. Who got that? So, so, so what's God giving them? An invitation. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. Ask me about it. Watch it. And concerning the work of my hands... You command me. Wow. You heard what God just said? Concerning the work of my hands, tell me what you want me to do. You know what God said to blind bar? Here, here, here's the way it works. Let, let me give you that. Here, here's how grace works. And Jesus illustrated. Uh, uh, John chapter 10, Jesus is walking through Jericho, on his way to pass out, Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. How many of you have ever prayed and asked God to show you mercy? So he cried for mercy. So then what happens? Jesus stops and he says, bring him to me. And when Bartimaeus gets there, Jesus literally says this, command me according to what you want done. Jesus says this, Tell me, or literally says, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? So there he is. He's been given access to the throne of grace. And we can have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. And God is saying, tell me what you need me to do. Are you with me this morning? And so when Paul says, we've been given access into this grace. And when you come before the throne, we read it, we come before the throne, that we can find grace to help in our time of need. So when you come before the throne, come with your request, come with your need. And then if God said in Isaiah, how many know that, that, that Peter said that, that we have a new covenant based on better promise? So if I can go in the Old Testament and find a good promise, how many know that Isaiah 45 is a good promise? 
If I can find a good one, then it is better because it is now ratified. This is a, this is a covenant ratified in the blood of animals. And in a covenant ratified in the blood of animals, God said we could make request of Him concerning the work of our hand. How much more in a covenant ratified in the blood of His only begotten Son? How much more powerful is the promise sealed in Christ's blood? Woo! Let me help you out this morning. I'll shout for you. Glory to God. Some of you need your happier fixed. Some of you, your happiers are broke. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll have a, a happier healing service in just a moment. Hallelujah. So watch it. Find grace to help. Look at this. In good time for every need, appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we needed help. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going back to Haiti. They preach back there. They get excited. Amen. Now watch this. So what is purpose comes through access. Look at that. Here again is access declared and provision proclaimed in His grace. But it will not simply just come upon it. Most of the time we sit back waiting for God just to show up and do stuff. It doesn't come upon you. You have to come before the throne. You have to make the request. You have to use your access. You have to enter in. We must activate and use our access. It requires us to enter into this grace by and through our faith in Christ. Because before we came to Christ we had our faith anchored in all the false hopes of this world. On our own self-ability, self-perceived ability, on our on, to make our way of escape and to provide for our needs. Think about it. We pursued them with our lives, gave ourselves for them, staked all that we were, we are upon them, placed all of our faith in them with the confidence and hope that they, not God, could provide the security we desire in life. That's what people live today. We're trusting in our money. We're trusting in our job. We're trusting in our economy. Hey, it only takes one decision by a nation that's not even ours to make a decision to pull out of the European Union and then our stock market crashes or has a, you know, takes a dive and be, oh my, my, my 401k, I don't have a 401k, I have an eternal hope. Because everything natural, if my hope, if I'm anchored in something natural, it can change in a moment, in the blinking of an eye. Everything is temporal and subject to change. But we have to learn to have our faith and our hope anchored in the work of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Then no matter what happens around me, God will sustain me because I have access to the throne of grace and I can find grace to help in my time of need. Let everything crash. God will sustain. Shout amen, somebody. So watch it. So we fall in love. What happens? As a result, we fall in love with the world and all it has to offer because it's been wrapped so skillfully and beautifully in the lies of the deception. Come on, everything they market. If you had this, look at how beautiful it is. Look at how it glitter. Look at how it shines. Think about the last time you bought a new car and as you drive down the street, you're watching yourselves in the big pane windows. And then on the way home, you have to stop at the grocery store and you pull your shiny new car into the parking lot and you go inside and you get your victuals and you come back out and you put them in your car and as you open the door, you notice somebody didn't respect your new car. And your car has its first door ding. Or somebody backed in it and drove off and didn't say, hello, because everything is temporal. And so you were glorying in that moment. Whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. And then you're downcast because your thing got bumped. Amen. But, hear me this morning. The only problem is everything this world has to offer will violate your trust and crush your faith, leaving you shipwrecked and abandoned on the shores of life. Riches and possessions fail. Knowledge and skills will fail. Strength and health will fail. Even people will fail. Why? Because there's only one who will never fail, and all we need is Him. Paul said, I came to you knowing one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we need.
That's where our hope and our faith needs to be anchored. Think about it. The devil's goal is to crush all of your hopes on the rocks of despair. He knows what this world has to offer is a lie and will fail and that it can never replace the work of grace in our lives. I had this experience on Tuesday in Haiti. In the morning we did some village time and uh, went to, to, to homes and talked to families there and that, and, and then at lunchtime, then, then we broke, went back for lunch, and then they sent us out to another village across the street, and uh, before we go into the village, we meet with the pastor, Pastor Jonas, he pastors an apostolic faith church there, and so we meet with him, he talks to us, and then he walks with us and leads us to the village, because his church is set in there, and he's kind of pastor over that, maybe everybody doesn't go there, but out of respect kind of for his area, we go and we honor him, we respect him, and say, we'd like to go to your village, talk to the people, and, and reach the people that he's, you know, we, we're trying to reach people he's trying to reach, so we want to partner with him, are you with me? And so we go in there, we talk, we hear his heart, he shares his vision, shows us what's going on, and then he begins to lead us, and the first place he takes us to, we walk, we're following, he walks us right up, and he takes us to the voodoo chief's house. That's a voodoo chief. And, and, and our interpreter, come on, he wants you to meet the voodoo chief. I said, yeah. So we get to meet the voodoo chief. This is awesome. Hey, man. And so we start walking in there, and, and the girls are kind of apprehensive and stuff and that. And they kind of, you know, looking around. I'm like, hey. And so we get up in there. And uh, so this guy begins to talk. And they're interviewing him and stuff like that. And uh, then uh, Ashman, our interpreter, actually was raised and got saved out of voodoo. And so he's talking to this man as he's going. This is what's coming up. Is that this guy actually goes to this pastor's church. He goes to church there and then he listens to the word. Knows the word. And, and, and he begins to tell us. He said he knows God is all. And he, he's telling God is all power. Voodoo is nothing. God is all-powerful. Jesus is Lord. Voodoo has no power. He's literally saying voodoo is a lie. But this is what he's doing. He makes his living doing, giving readings and, and, and doing voodoo incantations. So the people come to him and pay him to practice voodoo for them to try to get a blessing. And so they have their faith in voodoo. The same people who will go to church and listen to the pastor on Sunday also have their faith anchored in voodoo. And so as he's saying, so, so I said, let, let me get this straight. And so through the interpreter I said, he believes that God is all powerful. That Jesus, he knows that. He, he's, he, and he goes, yes, God is all powerful. Voodoo is nothing. I said, but, but he's practicing voodoo and he's selling voodoo. So, so I said, he knows voodoo is a lie. Yeah. So I'm standing there. I'm praying. I said, God, I need to say something to him. I need to know what to say. So I said, ask him this. I said, if he went down to a vendor and he bought a shirt that was wrapped in, in, in a package and it said on the outside, new shirt. And he asked the vendor, is this a new shirt? And he said, yeah, this is the new shirt. And he brings it home and he opens it up. He, pay, he paid the price of a new shirt. When he gets home, he finds out that it wasn't a new shirt, but it was an old shirt made to look like a new shirt. But he paid for a new shirt, but the vendor sold him a lie. Ask him if he would be happy or angry that he had been sold a lie. He goes, I would be angry. And the Holy Ghost said, tell him, that that's what he is doing to God's people. He is selling them a lie, and he knows it. And his whole countenance changed. Amen. And then I told him, I said, I'm going to pray for you that God convicts you in your heart. And I told him, I said, you know in your heart. He said, no, no, no. I said, no. I said, you know in your heart you are lying to these people, and you're stealing from them to make a living with a lie. 
I'm going to pray God convicts you in your heart and gives you a genuine love for your people and you will no longer sell them the lie. Because look at right here, that's why I put this in there. The devil's goal is to crush all of your hopes on the rocks of despair. He knows that what, is in, what this world has to offer is a lie. Here is a guy working for the devil, literally telling me what I'm giving the people is a lie. And listen, my friend, we think, oh, that is terrible. Those people are going getting involved in voodoo. There is no different, no different between you and I being in America and say, I love the Lord, and going back and having our anchor in the things of this world that have no security, have no hope, that are temporal and will fail, have no everlasting value when you have access and entrance into the grace of God. Amen. Woo! Amen. That's my new woo. Hallelujah. It got energized in Haiti. But now, once we come to Christ, here's the key. Are you with me? Once we come to Christ, we have to pull up our anchor from the sinking sand of this world and its life and cast our anchor upon the rock that cannot fail. We must use our access into this grace. Why? Because failure, watch it. Failure is forgiven and our future is restored. Why? Because the cross, our failures are forgiven and our future is restored. I love the way the Amplified Bible says this. Let us grasp the fact. Do you get that? It can be yours. We have an all-access path into the fullness of God's grace and its provision. But until we grasp the fact, here's what happens. We will keep returning to the failing anchor points of this world and end up again drifting towards the rock and the shipwreck of failure. All these years of pastoring, that's how I watch people come in, they plug into God, and then when they move into times of despair, they go back to the old anchor points that failed them in the first place. And then they end up over here, and then they go, oh, my life is a mess again. Yeah, because you're trying to anchor your life in sinking sand. How do I know that I do that? One of the greatest tests, it's just like pe people don't understand it, but when we talk about giving, my giving declares my life is anchored in Christ. My hope and my faith and my trust is not in my paycheck. It is in the promise of God over my life that my God will supply all of my need according to His riches in glory in Christ. Now listen, in Christ Jesus. And so my the grace that I'm in is the grace that is in Christ. When I step into that grace, when I use my access, I'm stepping into the provision of God. But if, I don't, if I'm not anchored there, then I go back over here and I'm trusting everything else. How do I know I'm not anchored in faith? Because if I fear around money, then I'm anchored in sand and I'm not anchored upon the rock. If I fear for my health, then I'm anchored in sand and I'm not anchored upon the rock. If I have no peace, then I'm anchored in sand. I'm not anchored upon the rock. Are you with me this morning? It is so important that we see that. Listen to it. But where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Think about it. The law entered that through the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. What does that mean? That means we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, for the glory of God. His grace is still all sufficient for our sins. Amen? What does that mean? That means that now the fear of death has been defeated off of our lives. Death that, that affects anything, anything death, anything decaying, anything dying, anything failing. That's defeated. That fear is defeated in Christ. Romans 5 lays for us such a clear work of God's grace in our lives. We must proclaim the work of grace that abounds over the death-dealing blow of sin. Bill, if you'll come back to the keyboard quickly, please. 
Hear me this morning. Show me the best person you can think of. The best athlete in the world, the prettiest actress, the wealthiest person, the most gracious and compassionate, the most loving and kind person you know, and they will have one flaw. Sin has been handed down to them and death reigns in them. Even if they have never followed Adam's example and disobeyed a direct command, they were born with the seed of sin imputed unto them, and without Christ they are utterly helpless. The world parades perfect people for There are no perfect people. Everybody has that seed on the inside of them. And it is a seed of death that reigns in them. The devil seeks to convince us through the lies of this world that we are not helpless. There's a whole band in here. Let's sing that last song, that, the, the grace song that you guys play. The devil seeks to convince through the lies of this world that we are not helpless, that we can on our own overcome the seed of sin, that we can be good enough, noble enough, kind enough, loving and caring enough, even pure enough to be accepted by God, that being good will be accepted by God, but that is a lie. This week I, I was buying a, an item at Costco and the salesman was there and I was buying it from him. And, and, and after being there, I talked to him twice this week. And, and uh, after being there, before I walked away, I said, I have to ask you, how is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He goes, yeah, I know, but I'm just kind of in between. I said, when are you going to get out of in between? When are you going to make the decision? I said, are you saving for your, for your retirement? Do you believe you should prepare for what lies ahead? I said, how sad that you would save for retirement and make no preparation for eternity. Amen. And so we do that. And we run into people. And then he goes, well, well I'm good. If somebody dropped a million dollars right there, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't touch it. I, I, I would turn it over. I, I would try to get it back. I said, it's nice that you're good. But good is not good enough. And that's what the devil tries to tell us. We can only overcome the seed of death with life. Death on its own cannot produce life. That only comes to us through the work of grace in the life of our Savior Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Have you anchored your life to the cross? Go to the very last slide, Luke. Have you anchored your life to the power of the cross? Have you grasped the fact of grace? Are you using your access pass to find grace to help in your time of need? His grace is here to abound in your life if you will enter in. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask them to sing this song, and this is what we're going to do. As they begin to sing, this song just simply says, Freely you gave your life for us. And there's that crate play. And maybe you just need to find a play. I'm just going to open this altar. Maybe while we sing this song through, maybe you would find a place just to pray and just to take a moment to come before the throne of grace. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been battling. Maybe you've been feeling weak. Maybe you feel like your anchor in life is slipping. But maybe you would just pull that up and fully place your anchor upon the rock of the grace of God this morning. As they lead, if you need to find a place of prayer or you need prayer, you come and we will pray with you, agree with you, Jesus' name.